Proverbs chapter 18. And Father, we thank you that um, as we are heading into um, a season that can be very joyous, but also stressful at times. And um, I thank you that we can come here and just be settled in our seats. And Lord, just open our ears spiritually and soften our hearts to hear from you and what you have for us. And Lord, we want to grow in godly wisdom. We know it benefits us, it blesses us. And and Lord, uh, we want to be able to not only uh, seek the wisdom that you have, but to know it and to, to make it our own, to get it into our hearts. So Father, help us be attentive. I know that we come here and we're tired. It's been a long day. Um, It has been perhaps uh, even a time where uh, some haven't even had a chance to get dinner. So Lord, I pray that we would feed upon your word, being blessed and encouraged, uplifted and strengthened because we've been here. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So chapter 18 of Proverbs, we read, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. And there are those who, you know, sometimes like to isolate themselves, um, to be alone. Uh, For all of us, I think there's times where we desire those quiet times, those uh, times where we want to get away. Uh, but here, what Proverbs is talking about, the one who isolates himself, doesn't want to seek the word of God, doesn't want to seek uh, the, the things of the Lord, doesn't care what God has to say. And as I said, there are those who like to isolate themselves. They, they like to be alone. I, I had that tendency many years ago when I got out of college that I lived in a little cabin on 20 acres in Black Forest. And um, I ran it from an, an elderly lady, and, and I chopped wood for her and watered her garden in the summer. But I love being out there. I, I love being by myself. And um, I would come home from work on Friday, not see anybody till Monday, and that was just fine with me. And I just had that natural tendency. I didn't like to be around people. I, I like to be by myself. So the Lord said, this is what I'm going to do with you. I'm going to make you a pastor, so you have to, to be around people. But... Some of us maybe have that tendency and, and um, again, you know, the, the isolation and, and things like that. Um, going up to, uh, sometimes when I take the kids going up 287, we go through Al Canyon Road and up to Laramie when we're going up to the uh, Wyoming to go do some fishing or something. And, you know, the drives that go back and the, the roads that go back to where people have cabins, it'll be Starry Night Road or Cottonwood Way or, you know, Sage brush lane, uh, those kind of names that you have on uh, the roads that go back. Well, there's one road that we notice that it has Goa, G-O-A, way. Goa way. <laughs> there's somebody that wants to isolate themselves, all right? And David and I always think, what would happen if we drove back there and see who lives back there? But there are those who naturally just like to isolate themselves, and, and, and they do that. Um, matter of fact, a, a T. Sue, she probably gets very annoyed by it by now. Uh, when we go through Al Canyon Road, there's this one uh, place, this kind of run-down place, and the guy's got junk all around it and his chickens and things like that. And I tell her, that's where I want to retire, you know, Sue. And she says, well, have fun, you know, living there. <laughs> So that tendency is a little bit still in me, but it's talking more than just living out in the country or having a cabin or isolating yourself in that way or moving up to Montana and getting some property and building a bunker. I I think spiritually that we need to be careful that we don't isolate ourselves 
from the body of Christ and from the word of God. And you see, there's a lot of things that can bring distractions to us in our lives to where we end up where we're isolated from the body of Christ. Maybe over time, we didn't mean for that to happen, but things are different today than they were even 20 years ago, 10 years ago. There's a lot of things out there to pull us away from being in fellowship, pull us away from being with the body of Christ and, and continuing in the things of the Lord and in the word of God. And we want to be careful that we don't isolate ourselves to where soon after a while we begin to, to go our own way or begin to live by our own understanding. We always want to be a part of the body of Christ consistently and, and, and constantly because there's benefit in that. And I think that you know that. You guys come out on Wednesday nights. There's a lot of other things that you could be doing. And those who can make it or are able to make it, you're blessed being here with the body of Christ, hearing the word of God uh, as it goes forth. And the writer of Hebrews tells us in chapter 10, verse 25, that we are not to forsake the assembly of ourselves together. As he would say, as is the matter of some, some of you are doing that, especially as you see the day approaching. And in this day in which we're living in, how important it is that we be connected to a body of believers, that we be in fellowship, that we be encouraging one another and building each other up, uh, especially as we see the day approaching. Because I think that that day is coming very soon where the Lord's going to come for his church and, and that we're going to be taken up into heaven. But as long as he tarries, we don't know when that time's going to come. We need each other and we need to be encouraged in the things of God and in the word of God. And any of you who have been here for any length of time, I pray and I hope that you can say what a blessing it is to belong to the body of Christ, to come here and just get away from the world and the things of the world and the stuff of the world and the stress of the world to come here to be amongst believers, to hear God's word, to grow in um, the wisdom of God, to be able to encourage each other and pray for each other and lift each other up. So here Proverbs gives some very uh, you know, practical wisdom for us. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. And then in verse two, a fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. So foolishness is not wanting to gain understanding, but uh, presses his or her own view on things. Um, and so um, the fool has no delight in understanding, expressing their own heart. It, it reminds me of years ago, those of us who are a little bit older, maybe the young people don't know so much uh, about that uh, guy in, from Hollywood, uh, Woody Allen. And I never saw any of his movies or anything, but I remember Several years ago, he made big news because he left his wife to go and be and marry his uh, adopted stepdaughter who was like 50 years younger than him. And everybody was wondering about that. And it was just weird. And, and somebody asked him, why did you do that? And he said something. He says, the heart uh, wants what the heart wants. And some people heard that and they thought, that's deep. That's really philosophical. The heart wants what the heart wants. And that's how he explained himself. Well, here's the problem. The heart, as Jeremiah says, is desperately wicked and deceitful. And what we need is our hearts to be changed. And it's, it's changed as we come to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
that as we have a new heart and as we come to the communion table tonight, we remember that we've entered into that new covenant, that covenant of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for you and for me. And it's a covenant that Jeremiah talks about to where he now writes his will and his word, not on the tablets of stone, but on the tablets of our hearts. And that's what's so wonderful about being a Christian, that you delight yourself in the Lord and he will what? You know it, give you the desires of your heart, right? Delight in the Lord, continue to grow in the word of the Lord, continue to stay close to him and be sensitive to his leading. And as a born again Christians, the wonderful thing is, is that we have the Lord putting his will upon the tablets of our hearts. And and it's a wonderful thing. And so here Proverbs saying that a fool has no delight in that and expressing his own heart is what he wants to do. And then in verse three, when the wicked comes, contempt comes also. And with dishonor comes reproach. So wicked and contempt, it's interesting, are linked together. The wicked don't want to hear the truth. And if someone is speaking truth, they will come against it. They'll try to to bring dishonor to it. In verse 4, the words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The wellspring of wisdom is a flowing brook. And and I like verse 4 here because we want to be ones that refresh people with godly edification and and godly uh, wisdom, don't we? You know, here's the key. If you want to be one that you are ministering to others and desire to minister to others and really communicate the things of the Lord to others, whether it's your children or whether it's other family members or maybe somebody that you have the opportunity to minister to at work or a neighbor or, or maybe you're teaching a Bible study, a small group, the kids, whatever. To be a better communicator, godly communicator, is not so much that you broaden your vocabulary, but you deepen your spirituality. That's the real key. And some people think, for me to be an elaborate and and good communicator, i got to deepen my vocabulary and scholarship and intellect. And that's, I understand, part of it. But the real key is you deepen your spirituality. You go deeper in the Lord. And as you go deeper to the Lord, and as you begin your day saying, Lord, the things that you've shown me through your word, that I want to be able to share it with others, you lead me and guide me in what I say. You're going to see that the Lord's going to use you in a wonderful way to be able to communicate the gospel and the truth of God's word and God's encouragement and comfort to other people. But it's very important that we be sensitive to the leading of the Lord, that we be sensitive to to hearing from the Lord. And that begins with devotions as we begin our day. So make sure that that you deepen your spirituality. And one of the things that we're going to talk about is that very thing on Sunday that I pray that we see very clearly as we look at the text there in Luke chapter 10. So make sure that you're continuing in the word of God. And and Lord, you help me to just be able to be a refreshment to others. I, I want to be one as my words are like deep waters, wellsprings of wisdom in a flowing brook. Just to refresh and renew others, as Paul would say, being washed with the water of the word. And then verse 5, it's not good to show partiality to the wicked or to overthrow the righteous in judgment. Kind of verse 5, the Lord has ministered to me, which at the beginning is, don't show partiality to the wicked. 
In other words, they may be very capable. They may, you know, have, you know, the ability to do amazing things. They may seem very, very smart. Uh, they may seem to be one that um, are successful. Maybe they have popularity. Maybe they have prestige. But we're not to, as Christians, show partiality to the wicked. And so that's something that we really need to take to the Lord in our relationship with others and how we link ourselves with others, uh, whether it's doing business with them or whether it is, you know, um, linking ourselves in some way to them, voting for somebody. In less than a week, we're going to be voting, as many of you have already done that, for new leadership in our nation. And this is a proverb. This is a verse that the Lord has just been, I've been praying through and and looking at. And I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I would encourage you to go out and vote. But just to pray through, Lord, because all of us, I know in this room, that we desire to vote for, you know, the biblical worldview and the ones that hold that. And that can be kind of difficult to find, can it? But Lord, I want to make sure that in my vote, I want to do the very best. And and voting for that one is going to, yes, it's going to help our nation. But I also want to line up with that biblical worldview. And I know that's a challenge. So again, pray through it. Just be wise, okay? Consider it. We don't want to show partiality to the wicked, as the scripture says here, or to overthrow the righteous in judgment. And then in verse 6, a fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth calls for blows. Uh, Here in verse 6, a fool will say things to pick a fight. We shouldn't be that way with, with, you know, being as a Christian. Looking for the contentions, looking to fight, looking to argue. We know that Paul, when he was writing to Timothy, I'm reminded, he said, Timothy, if you really want to be a teacher, you must not quarrel, but be able to teach with gentleness and with patience that you may be able to bring that person to a place where they'll repent and bring them into that which is true. So as Christians, we're not to be quarreling. We're not to be full of contention. And sometimes there are those that just always want to pick a fight. They, they want to quarrel. They want to argue. And, and I get those sometimes. Uh, sometimes I'll get five-page email on somebody who, you know, wants to pick on a Christian leader, you know, that's, um, you know, on the radio or God is using Greg Laurie and, you know, what about this and what about that? And, and, and they just nitpick. Or they'll send a, an email and, and nitpick this, you know, group of people or, or that. And I read it and I think, wow. And there's whole blogs. People love to start blogs. On, you know, I, I've seen blogs started at one time, you know, coming against Pastor Chuck Smith or, or Greg Laurie or the Calvary Chapel and just nitpicking and looking for gossip and being anonymous and all that. And it's ugly. And it's just, I think, wh- what, why? Why being so contention and all the bitterness that comes out and anger that comes out with it? And I think that, you know, somebody like Greg Laurie who people are coming to the Lord. And, and, and how many have come to the gospel through his ministry? And I think, what are you doing down in the basement, spending hours, you know, on your blogs and stuff like that, criticizing the body of Christ? I just don't care for it. So what I'm saying is, don't be one that you're just full of contention. Yeah, we are to speak truth. We're to be a watchman on the wall. 
Of course, we are to be ones that we are to, to point out those who are false. Certainly, we do that. But just to nitpick other ministries and pastors and teachers and churches and full of bitterness and anger, and you read it and you think there's no substance to this. It's just somebody who's bitter. We don't want to be that way. We want to be ones that, that we want to be encouraging again. We don't want to pick fights with others. You know, it was in, I was reading today in 2 Kings chapter 2, after Elijah was taken up into heaven, that the mantle, the prophetic office fell upon Elisha. And, and Elisha, yeah, as soon as that happened, there's these young guys that came out and said, go up, bald man, go up. Maybe some of you know the story. They were mocking him is what they were doing. So the only parents, physical parents that we know of Elisha, that he was bald. And, and as they were mocking him, two bears came out and mauled those 42, you know, young guys that were mocking him. So be careful, okay? Be careful that you're not mocking who God is using because you're going to get bit. And you're going to just get mauled. And it's just going to be ugly. So you don't want to be one that you have a tendency to want to, you know, pick fights in the body of Christ. And then in verse 7, a fool's mouth is his destruction and his lips are the snare of his soul. So a mouth of a fool is bad news. Um, it just destroys relationships. It ends up being a snare. And then in verse 8, the words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles and they go down into the inner, inmost body. Uh, a fool again will gossip and the one who likes to gossip feed on it it becomes a part of them and we do live in a culture and in a society where we love to listen to gossip we love the latest news on this person or this thing what's happening you know sometimes i think the news the major news networks are more concerned about that than about real news you know, what's the latest thing and what's the latest, you know, gossip and what's the latest, you know, happening on this person or whatever it may be. Let's hear some real news for once. And we love to hear it. And that's what sells newspapers. And that's what gets the ratings is, is that kind of mentality. So we don't want that to be a part of us as that we're just looking and wanting to listen to the latest news and, and what's the latest on this person and that person. And it may not be concerning the news at all. Maybe in the, at the office. What's the latest on the boss? What's going on? kind of snickering and whispering and, you know, much of your days about gossiping about this person or one of the guys out in the field or a schoolmate or somebody in the neighborhood. You get together with neighbors and, you know, you know how that can work. I pray that we would be ones that we would remember the words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles and it ends up coming and being a part of you. In verse 9, and he who is lawful in this work is a brother to him who is a great destroyer. So here, again, speaking of being slothful, a lazy person, um, it talks about that uh, is a brother to him who is a great destroyer. And as I look at this, I can't help but think about, once again, applying it to us, that we don't want to be spiritually lazy. You know, we're to be uh, diligent to present ourselves approve a workman who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And we're told repeatedly in the New Testament to be watching, to be sober, to be vigilant. 
you know, to, to, to be awake spiritually. And in the day in which we're living in, of course, we don't want to be lazy spiritually. And it's very easy to do that. Well, I don't want to be in Bible study. I don't want to have devotions. You know, praying. Praying takes a lot of discipline. And actually, when we get to Luke chapter 11, we're going to be talking a lot about praying. And, and that's something that, that, that all of us need to be encouraged in is to pray because we pray. But I'll speak for myself. I know that I can be more diligent in praying. And I want to be a man of prayer. And I want this church to be a church that prays. We have established here at Calvary Chapel that we're a church that teaches the word of God. But I also want to be known as a church that we're giving ourselves to prayer. We're giving ourselves to prayer. Matter of fact, you know, four things that we've talked about before the early church in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, that they continue steadfastly in the word of God, in prayer, in fellowship, real koinonia just really caring for each other and loving one another and in breaking bread, you know, coming to the Lord's table. Those four things I pray that in our lives personally and in this church corporately that we would continue to do and that would be a part of our lives to a great degree. So we don't want to be, you know, lazy spiritually. You know, as Joshua, you know the text, a lot of you, and when he brought the children of Israel, we're going to bring them across um, the Jordan and into the promised land. Finally, finally, after 40 years, the Lord said, Joshua, Moses is gone, and now you're going to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And if you want to be successful, then meditate on the word of God day and night. So Joshua, if you want to be successful in the best sense of the word, you meditate on the word of God day and night. And it's the same with us, being watchful, continuing to be, you know, uh, be diligent to show thyself approved, ready to give a defense, as Peter writes, continuing in those things. We don't want to be lazy spiritually. And as we continue in those things, we will be successful in the best sense of the word, in the things of the Lord, and growing in the Lord and being used of the Lord. And the only time that success comes before work is in the dictionary, okay? Just keep that in mind. The only time that success comes before work is in the dictionary. We want to continue to doing the work of the Lord. And then in verse 10, a wonderful verse, the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run to it and are safe. We need that strong tower and it's the Lord. And maybe you're feeling weak and maybe you're feeling attacked. Maybe you're wondering what direction you should go. The Lord is our strong tower and we run to him, don't we? And just as we sang tonight, I need him. Every hour I need you, Lord. You see, sometimes people, people in the world, but even Christians have a tendency to run here and to run there, to be their strong tower, to run to this thing and this latest fad to this latest philosophy, to read this latest book. Ultimately, our strong power, tower is the Lord. You run to him. And he's our father. And he's the one that desires to keep us safe. He's the one that desires to keep us under the shadow of his wings and to be a refuge for you and for me. So he is our refuge and our strength. And then in verse 11, the rich man's wealth is a strong city and like a a high wall in his own esteem. So uh, those who seek refuge in their wealth, uh, they think that it will be 
their strong city, but only the Lord is really our, our strong tower, our strong refuge. It's found in him. And before destruction of the heart of a man's hot, haughty and before honor is humility. Again, I just want to remind you that as we see repeatedly in the book of Proverbs, that haughtiness and prideful, being prideful, um, being arrogant are not seen in a positive light at all in the scriptures. And humility is seen as a good thing. The Lord desires for us to be humble. You see, the world comes along and says having humility or having meekness means that you're going to be weak means you're a failure. It means that, you know, you're not going to get anywhere in life. But in the Lord's economy and in the Lord's kingdom, to humble ourselves, even as you remember that the disciples are, are fighting about, as we have seen in that argument, will continue. Who's going to be greatest in the kingdom? They're still thinking Jesus. They're not understanding when he's telling them he's going to go to the cross. I'm going to be handed over to the chief priests and elders. I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again after three days. And they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest because they're still thinking he's going to usher in his kingdom. And I want to sit on his left and right. I want that prominent place. And Jesus answers their question on how to be great. He doesn't rebuke them on that. And he gives us insights how you and I can be great. And one is humility. That you humble yourself as his child. As he took a child and and used that child as an illustration. One who receives this child in my name is great in the kingdom of God. One who comes in childlike faith is great in the kingdom of God. The one who humbles himself and is the servant of all is great in the kingdom of God. And the one who wants to assert themselves and one who wants to exalt themselves, it is never seen in God's eye or God's heart as being great. Being prideful and arrogant. Matter of fact, we're warned about it. And we saw it as in chapter 10 of Luke as those guys 70 came back from going out and ministering. Remember that? If you were with us in our study, the 70 that were sent out and they came back and they said, man, power is flowing through us. Even the demons were subject to us. And miracles were happening. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And you think, what was that all about? And so that's what we went over. He was warning them that Satan, he fell. Why? Because he became prideful. He wanted to be like the Most High, sit upon the throne of God, be worshiped as God. That's what Isaiah tells us. He was the anointed cherub, a worship leader. And yet it was pride that caused him to fall. And so we want to make sure that we're not prideful because pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before what? A fall. And if we become prideful, it won't be long before the sound of a crash is heard in our lives. So we want to be humble. That's the way to be great in the kingdom of God, being humbled before him, being humbled towards others, receiving a child in my name. What does that mean? That you're ministering to the one who perhaps uh, isn't going to uh, make your name popular. It's not going to bring you prestige. The one who has needs because a child has needs, don't they? It's one thing about a child is that they need to be taken care of. And so Jesus showing us how to be great in the kingdom of God and Proverbs warning us again about having a haughty spirit and, um, and going in that direction is not good. Uh, humility is what brings honor. In verse 13, he who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. So listen to a matter before you speak. And I'll speak for myself. 
I've been guilty of starting to give an answer before I hear the whole matter, before that person is through explaining things to me. My wife will tell you that I can be good at that at times. And she's had to tell me that, let me finish. And I think all of us that we've gone through that. And I'm still learning that the Lord gave me two ears and one mouth, okay? So be patient in listening. Be patient in listening to, to people. And, um, and don't interrupt. And before I answer, that I make sure that they have their opportunity to be able to, to say what it is uh, that they say and for me to be able to hear it. And then in verse 14, the spirit of man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? So a good spirit will sustain you. A broken spirit is difficult, isn't it? And maybe some of you are here and you have a broken spirit, a broken heart because of circumstances, because of difficulties, because of losses. And the Lord, he binds up the brokenhearted. Remember that Isaiah says that the ministry of the Messiah is to heal the brokenhearted. And he desires to bring comfort to you on this night. He desires to bring comfort to you in the days ahead as you go to him, as you call out to him. He desires to heal the brokenhearted. He, he wants to minister and bring comfort to a broken and contrite spirit. You go to him. He's your strong tower. And allow him to minister to you in that way. And then in verse 15, the heart of the prudent acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. We are to always desire wisdom. And where can we attain it? You know where we attain it, through the word of God. We attain it by studying the scriptures. And as I was praying, you know, there is a difference in seeking knowledge and getting knowledge. You see, we can seek it. We're doing that right now. But my prayer is, Lord, I want to get knowledge. I not only want to seek it and just have it in my head, I want to get it, get it down in my heart. I want to have it here. And I want it applied in my life. And I want to be able to live it. I want it worked out in my life. So it's more than just seeking knowledge. And we need to be careful that it just isn't always academic. Because we can get very academic. I can get academic. But I always want to make it to where we apply it in our lives. That we make it our own. To be able to share that with others. This is what the Lord has shown me through his word. And how it's applied in my life. And that's how you're able to minister to others. Pray it in. Get it into your heart. Uh, Get the word of God there in your heart as it's alive and living there. And then in verse 16, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. I like this because I want to encourage you. Just flow in the giftings that God has given to you. And you'll be able to minister to others. What is your gift? What's your talent? You know, how are you wired? And God will use that. He will use that. You know, some of us, again, maybe the young people have never heard this, but have you ever say, you know, I just kind of the jack of all trades and the master of none? Have you heard that saying? I've said that before, and kind of the jack of all trades and the master of none. Well, I was reading, that came from Benjamin Franklin, and over the years it's been changed. That actually what he said is, don't try to be the, the jack of all trades, but 
you know, uh, make sure that you are uh, the master of one, not none. In other words, figure out what it is that you're good at and try to excel, try to grow in that, be good at that. And all of you have gifts and talents. Some of you have some incredible gifts, gifts of helps, you know, talents that you have that I don't have. I wish I had them, but I don't have them. And just be using what God has given to you to minister to others. And he will use that in a wonderful way. And then in verse, let's see, 17, the first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. In other words, there's two sides to every story, right? Remember that. One may come along and they they seem to plead their cause and they seem to be right until somebody else comes along and says, well, here's the other side of the story. Here's what I see. And remember that when you're talking with somebody. And and I have to remember that as, as I hear counsel or give counsel to others. Maybe somebody will come in and say, well, my wife this or the wife says, my husband this. And there's always two sides to every story. Or, you know, two people that are in conflict or in contention. Uh, One side is told and it seems so convincing. And the other one says, well, this is, you know, kind of what happened. And somewhere in between is where the truth is. But just remember this, that there's two sides to every story. And don't just be so quick to hear only one side. But to be wise in that as you minister to others. And then verse 18, casting lots causes contentions to cease and keeps the mighty apart. Uh, the Old Testament, they would cast lots to get direction. Uh, the high priest had what was called the Urim and the Thummim. The, have you ever read about that in the Old Testament? And they're not sure exactly what the Urim and the Thummim was. Uh, the, the priest had it in his breastplate, they believe. A simple explanation, perhaps. Just two stones. One was black and one was white. And so when David or some of the others in the Old Testament would want to know what do we do in battle and stuff, so you hear about the Urim and the Thummim. Um, and it was used to give them direction. And you think about that. Wouldn't it be kind of neat if... You know, you came to see me and you had to make a decision based on, you know, where I'm going to move or what house to buy, what car to buy, what job to take. I'm going to say, Pastor Jeff, should I take this job? And I just open my drawer and I pull out a stone. White, yes, go ahead, take it. Or black, no, you shouldn't take it. You think that would be kind of neat, you know. But here's the thing. We have something better. And that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us in that still small voice. And we can say, well, Lord, you know, you don't give me specific directions on whether I should take that job or buy that car. But he does desire to give you a peace that rules in your heart. And that word rule in Colossians chapter 3, as you've heard me say many times, literally means to make the call. It's a baseball umpire. Game 7 tonight, right? I wonder if there's people at home watching Game 7 tonight. But that's okay, you know. And, and in that, the baseball umpire that makes the call, it's the same wording that rules in your heart. He's going to make the call for you as you pray about it, as you go to the Lord. And of course, Isaiah chapter 30 speaks about that as we go to him for counsel, he promises that he'll be a voice behind us saying, this is the way, walk in it. We have the Holy Spirit that will speak in that still small voice 
Just as Elijah, you recall, he was running from, you know, Jezebel, who was going to lop his head off after he called down fire from heaven there on Mount Carmel. And he runs for his life, and he's there sleeping in, in the desert. And the angel wakes him up and says, Elijah, awake, for the journey is long. And then he goes to the mountain of God. And, and then the Lord, you know, there's an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And there was a mighty fire, and the Lord wasn't in the fire. And there was a rushing wind, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. But with a still small voice spoke to Elijah. And in our journey in life, it's important that we be sensitive to hearing the still small voice of the Lord. He desires to speak to you, to be that voice behind you saying, this is the way walkie in it. This is the way walkie in it. So the Holy Spirit of God directing us, and the Lord wants to direct us. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will what? Give you the desires of your heart. Acknowledge him in all things, and he will direct your paths. That is the direct promise from the Lord. So go to him. Look to him. In verse 19, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a castle. So when there's contention and you know, being offended by uh, a friend or family, sometimes it can be very difficult to mend. And that's why you want to be careful in what you say you want to be wise in that. You want to make sure that you're just not causing contention because sometimes that contention becomes so great that it's hard to mend those relationships and get that trust back. So we want to be wise in that. We want to be careful in that. And the Lord can do that. And maybe you're here tonight and there's been some contention that has been between you and a family member or maybe somebody at work or something and you desires for there to be a restoring. And it feels like, man, I understand this, that it's, it's to win a strong city is what it's like. It's like bars of a castle. But you keep praying and you keep going to the Lord and asking for direction and desiring to be wise in what you say and how you handle the situation. You know, even Paul the Apostle had contentions at one time with Barnabas. Remember that in the book of Acts? That on their second missionary journey, they're going to sit out and after their first missionary journey. And it was, you know, uh, Barnabas that said, well, I want to go get John Mark. And Paul said, no, he's not going to go with us because he left, he abandoned us on the first missionary journey. Well, I, I'm going to go get him. Paul said, no, he's not going to come. Barnabas said, yes, he's going to come. Paul said, no, he's not. And it says that the contention was so great that it was Barnabas that took John Mark and went his direction, and Paul took Silas, and of course he would begin his second missionary journey as recorded in chapters 16 through 18 of the book of Acts. The contention was so strong, but I believe that that relationship would be healed. We get hints of that at Paul later on in his life mentioning Barnabas. And we know that John Mark, who the whole you know, contention was over, at the end of Paul's life, he would say, send John Mark to me for he's useful. God can heal those relationships and those contentions. But you keep in prayer, have a desire for those relationships to be restored. But it can feel like a strong city and the bars of a castle at times. And a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. And death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. So make sure that you don't eat your own words. Um, the tongue can bring life and can bring death. 
And we want to make sure that we bring life to people, that we bring encouragement to them, we bring truth to them, even in rebuke, reproof, correction that we have to bring to others. We want a, a desire that that person is restored to the Lord and walking right with the Lord. And then uh, in verse 22, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Amen? So you guys, you're single, go find a wife. You'll find a good thing. But seriously, that as being married to a godly person is a tremendous blessing. And God desires to bless our marriages uh, as we go to him. And I just want to encourage you who are single that you wait on the Lord and he desires to bring you the very best. And for you young ladies that I want to give you some Pastor Jeff, old Pastor Jeff, fatherly advice. That you know what manner of man I was in all seasons. Paul would write in the book of Acts chapter 20. You wait to see what manner of man he is in all seasons. Take your time. And you guys that are single, you keep growing in the Lord. You become men of God. They take very seriously that you're going to provide and lead your wife spiritually. And so those are the things that I want to encourage you in. But also know this as well for you who are single, that the Bible also says that having finding a wife is a good thing. But the Bible also says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that being single can be a good thing. And Paul says that I prefer you stay in that state because why? You can continue to just... Serve the Lord without any distractions. So whatever state the Lord has you in presently, you continue to grow in the Lord. You continue to grow in what he has. There's nothing wrong in desiring to be married someday. There's nothing wrong at all. There's nothing wrong in desiring to be single. But whatever state the Lord has you in, that you just continue to grow in him and be used of him. And the Lord desires to bless your life in that way. In verse 23, the poor man uses entreaties, but the rich answers roughly. And it's just simply saying that those who have money can have a tendency to talk or treat others harshly. And we don't want our money to do the talking, do we? We want the Lord to do the talking for us. And then in verse 24, a man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You know, here's the thing I want to encourage you because sometimes people will come to me and say, well, you know, nobody reaches out to me or nobody talks to me or nobody's friendly. And I'm sorry about that. I, I want to be able to reach out and have people reaching out. We want to be sensitive in doing that. And especially as the church is growing, there are people that are coming in that are hurting and are alone. And we want to reach out to them. We want to be friendly to them as much as possible. But I also want to encourage you, as verse 24 says, that a man who has friends must himself be friendly. That you also have a responsibility to make an effort to reach out to others as well. And I know it can be difficult on Sunday mornings because we're shuffling people in and out with the three services. And we don't have as much fellowship time in between the services. And people are trying to get kids and all of this. But we do have those special times of fellowship. Matter of fact, this Friday evening, that Travis and Heather lead the young married couples. And, and that's at what time? Six o'clock? 
6 o'clock. So young marrieds, those are a great opportunity for you to come and get some to know some other young married couples in the church and develop those relationships. Men's studies on Tuesday nights. You know, there's going to be, after the first year, uh, we're looking at, at the ladies' study starting back up. We have all kinds of opportunities for you to be able to come and have fellowship, a men's breakfast on Saturday, women's prayer. And, and we don't do that just to stay busy. We do that so you have opportunity to fellowship and to get to know some people. So if you just come here on Sunday morning to a service or just on Wednesday night and you leave afterwards, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to develop those relationships. So for you to have friends, you too must be friendly. In other words, that you make the effort to reach out. You make the effort to be there as well. So we all have responsibilities in that. I I hope that I'm making sense in saying that. That you too want to make yourself available in those relationships that you desire to have. And I pray that it takes place here. I pray that it takes place as we gather here and as the church gets bigger. I don't, one of the hard things is I don't want people to feel like they're falling through the cracks. And it's harder for me to, to know who's staying, who's going, who's coming, uh, you know, who's been gone. It's just m- more hard than when we were 100 people. But I want to do my best, and I want to encourage you to develop those relationships and friendships with brothers and sisters in the Lord. And we want to give you those opportunities to do that. Young adults on Sunday nights, you know, all kinds of things. Look at that and say, Lord, you know, I want to step out. And sometimes stepping out of your comfort zone. And I'm going to go to that young married. Or I'm going to go to that, you know, wildfire on Sunday nights with Jesse. Or I'm going to go to the men's study. Or I'm going to go to men's prayer on Saturday morning. Just spend some time with the guys in prayer. Or to, to the women's prayer once a month that comes along. Or the, the ladies, you know, uh, events that take place. There'll be some more that is going to take place. Uh, the ladies 55 and over event. There's all kinds of things that are happening. And get plugged in. And be blessed. Don't isolate yourself. But to be a friend, you must be friendly also. Is what the scripture says. So, Father, we thank you for this time in your word. We thank you for the encouragement that is here. And, Lord, um, for the instructions and wisdom that's given to us. And, Father, I do pray. I just pray that tonight as we're here, that we would not just be here to seek wisdom, but to get wisdom. And to take these things, maybe perhaps you've spoken to us in maybe a little different way than how I've applied it. But Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for speaking to us. And Lord, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you that the coming of your son who came and died on the cross for our sins and rose again. And as we come to the communion table right now, we remember the new covenant that we belong that new covenant based on the sacrifice of Jesus, allowing his body to be broken and his bloodshed for forgiveness of sin. That new covenant of, of forgiveness that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Thanking you for the work of Jesus, his provision, his atonement, 
being a propitiation for us as we hold the elements, communion, partaking of it. We don't want it just to be an exercise, but for us as believers, taking of communion is a time of worship and being thankful. Holding the elements, remembering how Jesus allowed his body to be broken and his blood shed for the forgiveness of sin. So may it be that for us as we come and the elements are handed out. And I pray, Lord, if there's anybody here that may be here that you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never come in faith to to ask him to be your personal Lord and Savior. Jesus went to that cross for you, to die for you, for your sins, because we've all sinned. And the wages of sin is death. And our salvation is not based on what we do. It's based on what he did on the cross. It's why he came, because of his love for you. And he died on the cross. He made atonement for our sins. All of our sins were placed upon him. And he cried out, it is finished. And I've paid the price. And I've done the work. And he was put into a grave and he rose again after three days. And he's alive. And he desires for you to come to him for salvation. Today is the day of salvation. If you've never done that, that you can pray right where you are, that Jesus, I come to you and I come in faith and I believe in my heart the Lord Jesus and confess with my mouth and believe that you raised him from the dead. Forgive me of my sins. And I call upon Jesus, be my personal Lord and Savior. I believe you died for me and you're alive. I thank you for dying for me. And I come to you to surrender my life to you. And I thank you for doing that work for me and loving me. And if anybody by chance, even if you're listening on live stream or maybe on the radio later, give us a call. Tell us the decision you made or if you're even here tonight, maybe somewhere in the sanctuary or out in a coffee shop, After the service, come and tell me the decision that you made. But right now, may we just be in a moment of just focusing on you and giving thanks to you as the communion elements are handed out. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.